Dearly beloved, in Christ, grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. This morning we consider the birth of the eternal Son of God in human flesh and blood. No one asked God to become man. No one has authority over him to command it or even request it. God didn't accomplish what we celebrate this morning because he was asked to. He is constrained by no one. He is free. He wanted to. He is constrained by no compulsion outside of himself. But there is very much within the heart of God that did compel him. God is love, pure love. Of the Father's love begotten is the Son of God. We can only know the will of God, the love of God, and the inner compulsion within the heart of God by knowing his Son. And that requires that we know God as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we know him as the one true triune God only by listening to what he says. For his word has authority. And that is why we're here this morning. We place ourselves under his authority. We place ourselves under his word. By giving us his word, God invites us to listen in and ponder the inner conversation within the Godhead by which God planned for the word to become flesh. He invites us to consider the mystery that saves us and that is now revealed to us in the preaching of the gospel. We did not ask him to. If anything was asked of anyone, the son asked the father, what shall we do? Seeing as man whom we created in our image, in love, to live with us and to know our love, is now doomed to die without love forever because of his disobedience. And in response, the father asks his son, Will you please join him in his misery and bear our wrath against him in order to make peace by the blood which you will assume and to bring him and all his children who share that blood back to us again? And the son, being of the same will and desire and completely of the same mind and goal, complied with his father's request with all the zeal that fills the Godhead. This zeal of the Lord is zeal for our salvation. The zeal of God's inner compulsion, whereby he exercises his authority. This zeal is his great love with which he loved us. The Holy Spirit, who is also one with the Father and Son, 
delighted in this agreement and love and zeal to save us. He rejoiced in this eternal plan to rescue mankind, and so he rejoiced also to give word to the angel who spoke by his own authority to the Virgin Mary, and through that authoritative word the Holy Spirit conceived in her womb the flesh and blood that the Son of God thereby assumed, the zeal of the Lord, as Isaiah foretold, performed it. And the Holy Spirit is so pleased to bring the Son of God wherever he goes. The Holy Spirit works through the Word. Always and solely, he works through the external Word. Hardly was there greater joy for the Holy Spirit than when he brought the eternal Word, God's own Son, to assume our human nature in the womb of his mother. But there is at least one joy which is just the same. And that is when the same Holy Spirit brings the same Son of the Father to be born in us by faith. Through the word of the gospel, the Holy Spirit of God teaches us to trust in that same love which was from the beginning. He teaches us to say in humble faith what he once taught Mary to say. Let it be unto me according to thy word. There is no greater joy for the angels because there is no greater joy for God. Anyone exercising the authority of his master is rejoiced to see that authority effective, listened to, submitted to. And so see what submission God requires when he sends his Holy Spirit not only to create flesh and blood for the Son of God to assume, but to create in your flesh and blood divinely wrought faith to trust in God again. The one true God is God our Father, God his dear Son, and God the Holy Spirit, who enlightens us now to know his love and to rejoice this holy morning that such glad tidings are made known to us. Now, of course, this conversation between the three persons of the Holy Trinity did not take place only after man fell into sin. More than a contrived backup plan, it was an eternal plan. It was an eternal plan played out in real time, and that's why we kind of come up with this dramatic conversation because we know he is the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. It was an eternal plan, and so it consisted, existed in the heart and conversation of God. The future which God has prepared for us has been prepared from eternity. Think of that. And we should. His plan to create man always included his plan to redeem man to join his creation and save man. Now this is just too impossible to ponder. Our minds were never created to be able to comprehend such things. It is too far above us. Our minds were, however, created to comprehend what is much simpler and just as true. We are able to receive what is so high above us only when he who is eternal God comes down to us. And this is the beauty of Christmas. 
He doesn't give us something that we must understand. He gives us something to believe. And yet what we believe is surely worth thinking about and marveling at and pondering as Mary kept all these things in her heart. There is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Whatever majesty of this great mystery eludes you, however much it remains too high for you to understand, then lay aside your understanding and simply adore it. For it is the eternal truth of God, as eternal as his love. In Christ his Son, we see God's love extended toward us in such a way that we may embrace it by faith, that which we cannot embrace with our minds. He himself works this faith in our hearts so that by believing it, we embrace nothing less than the fullness of God himself. God joined his creation to rescue us. He became true man to bear our sin and bring us back to God. He is our savior. Jesus brings us back to God. It is very fitting that we do consider the Holy Trinity a bit since the Holy Trinity is the one true God. There's no other divine power and authority than his. There is no other almighty God than Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. In Genesis, we learn how God created all things by speaking. His word was the means by which he made all things. But his word is no mere sound. His word is his son of one essence with himself. He is, his word is eternal. The same word by which he made all things is now made flesh. He was in the beginning with God. He is God. Apart from him, nothing was made that was made. And now this same eternal word that has the authority to create what doesn't exist is made man, is made flesh, so that Christ might become the means of our salvation. Our nature is entirely corrupt, and we are born opposed to God, but he, the express image of God, came to become our brother, so that once again in man this image might be seen. And yet he gives this image to be tortured and despised. This light casts himself into the darkness which will not comprehend it. He comes to his own who do not receive him so that he might receive us. He came to become our savior from sin, death, and hell, so that he, by whom all things were made and nothing was made without him, might become our savior, apart from whom no one is saved, who is saved. Now we may now lay aside all high-minded and complicated pondering. This might have all been too much. And if your mind feels more stretched than you expect it to be on Christmas morning, or if you feel a bit lost with all this discussion of the Trinity and the eternal will and plan of God, well then good. What do you think people were pondering when they first heard the news and marveled at the shepherd's report? What do you think Mary spent her time pondering in her heart? It is good that it expands your mind and makes you feel lost, for so it is that God prepares you for a simpler truth. It is 
not a trite truth. It is a simple truth. And it being simple only comforts you when that which is too complicated has confronted you. You must know that in this simple truth is hidden all the mysteries of the highest thoughts of God. In this simple truth that Jesus came to save you from your sins and bring you back to God. In this truth you have all truth. You are not lost. You have all wisdom. He who has seen me has seen the Father, Jesus once told his disciples. So now he who sees by faith this baby born in Bethlehem to be none other than the one true God, such a one sees not the Godhead in his unseeable majesty who must be figured out, but the Godhead as he wills to be seen, as your Father in heaven reconciled to you and at peace with you and extending to you all that this child lived and died and rose to win for you. You see a helpless baby and you see the almighty God at peace with you. For his son, this child, lived a holy life under the law. He died the death that man deserved and only man could die. He paid the price that only God could afford. God was made man to shed his blood and make atonement for all our sins. This word atonement, yet again, sounds like some clinical, theological word. The word in German is so much more beautiful. It literally means to make sons again. To bring us back and make us sons. To make God our Father not mad at us. It is into sinful lives that God comes to us. It is into complicated lives that God descends. But he simplifies things. There is no other God than the God who joins us here, the God whom you do not understand, and thoughts and words of whom are too high for you. This God, who cannot be contained by anything, is contained by flesh and blood, that he may fulfill his authoritative word to be God with us. He brushes away all complications and extenuations, and excuses, and makes it all so simple. You are a sinner. Repent. This is how John the Baptist, who was not that light, prepared the world to receive that light. He simplified things. He pointed to Jesus, who is himself the light of all who will be saved. Repent. For he has come into the world to save the world. Repent of your sins. For he has come to save sinners. Cast aside your thoughts, or do you think you will be saved? Or bring upon yourself God's favor and everlasting reward by figuring something out that others are not able to. No, but see what man deserves by acknowledging what you deserve, and see it all placed on God by believing that God became man for you. No, it is not our lofty thoughts of God our reasoned figuring and bright notions and calculations that we find him who is our peace. For our minds and hearts are darkened. Whatever reason you have, whatever desire you have to earn God's peace and gain his favor, all this you must dismiss as darkness and lift your eyes instead to the light which can only be seen by faith when you acknowledge the authority of his holy word. For there it shines and reveals to you a message of God's birth in the flesh, and so also your birth in heaven. 
Whatever strength or capacity you have as a thinking person is given to you to think about this, to ponder and receive what is accessible even to the dimmest mind and the most oppressed and guilty heart. God became man to save us from our sin. Everyone must hear that. For everything is too complicated. Everything is too bright. There are too many words spoken. But here is the word made flesh. God became man to take your sins away. And so we spend our lives expanding our minds and letting God fill our hearts as the meagerest, faintest sacrifice to him who sacrificed himself who upholds all things by the word of his power, and yet when he had himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, so that our thoughts and our hearts and our very lives and futures might ascend with him. The only God who reigns in heaven is the man Jesus who was born to save us from our sins, and all authority is his. All power is found in him who continues to guide us and teach us and bring us to know God as he really is. We know God as the one whose zeal for our salvation is revealed in gentleness, meekness, helplessness, and peace. But all glory to God on high is found where peace is made on earth and goodwill of God is revealed to sinners who need a savior. This, dear Christians, is authority. This is power. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation for all who believe. And so, we are not ashamed of it. We boast not in what we have figured out, but in what God has given us. And Jesus did too. Look at the authority he boasts in. In John chapter 10, No one takes my life from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it again. This command I have received from my Father. So let's talk about authority. I think all of us at some point, and maybe still do, assume that when the prophet Isaiah says that the government will be upon his shoulder, that this refers to the oppression he endured under Pontius Pilate. Am I right? Surely that's worth remembering. But the government upon his shoulder doesn't refer to the weight he bore in carrying our sin. It refers to the authority and rule and power he gained. And his government shall last forever, Isaiah says. It will endure through all ages. All authority always was his, and that's very important. He is God of God, and yet he is our brother. This means that the government being placed upon his shoulders to use as he will is authority that is now owned and possessed and exercised by the little Lord Jesus, who was born in humility to take our sins away. He gained the authority to rule all things. And he uses this authority to rule over consciences that are burdened by sin. Consciences of those who can make no satisfaction, cannot earn God's peace, but he earns it. He rules heaven and earth as true flesh of our flesh and puts it all under our feet so that by faith we are joined to him. By faith, therefore, all things must submit to us. Now consider this authority one last time. 
He gives to us the right to become children of God. This word for right and authority and power are all the same word. The right to become children of God is the authority to become children of God. It's the same word. God's authority was made man's authority in Christ. When Christ exercised authority to give his life and take it back again, he gives to us this same authority to become his brother, to become his sister, to become the children of God. For as we just heard and witnessed, all authority has been given to him in heaven and on earth. Therefore, as you go, he says, make disciples of all nations by baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, whose mind you cannot comprehend, but whose goings forth are from of old. And he reveals to you what he does and how he runs his kingdom by teaching you to keep and love all things that he gives to his church today, with whom he remains to the end of the age. Oh, how wonderful. There has been so much mental work and high human thought put into how to retain and identify and secure the rights of men. Power is sought, governments are established, rights are demanded, human dignity is appealed to. And yet it all lies trampled as we lie at the mercy of tyrants and fools. But dear Christians, see all here all human dignity secured where the Lord God Almighty takes the form of a servant and uses his power as the Son of God and all authorities, the Son of Man, to give to you and to me the right to become his brothers and sisters, to wash all of our sins away and to give us heavenly birth. See here the simplicity, the total down-to-earthness and humble means by which the simplest mind and smallest heart is able to embrace and contain the uncontainable Godhead where faith in Jesus is given and worked in a little child who is herself now joined to him, who even in weakness upholds all things by the word of his power. She didn't ask to be born, and you didn't ask to be created. God made us. And she didn't ask to be born again, but God saved her. And God gives us the same authority and our highest authority is what is contained in the heart of that little girl who knows nothing other than the simplest confidence in Jesus, her Savior. So see in this little child what you must become and what you are and what you have. See what God became for you. See in this little child all authority in heaven and on earth, the quiet and simple confidence that God is for you, that he loves you, that he sent his son to redeem you, that he forgives you all your sins and gives to you whatever you will ever need. That he gives you peace and everlasting life. In the name of Jesus Christ, who has joined our flesh and has joined us to God forever. In his name, amen. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, shall guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus unto eternal life. Amen.